HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to Heritage Radio Network on Tour. I'm Harry Rosenblum, host of Feast Your Ears. Today we're broadcasting live from Charleston Wine and Food. We want to thank Ben's friends for making our coverage today possible. This afternoon, we're focusing our conversations on building a sustainable lifestyle and finding balance in the hospitality industry. Big thanks to Charleston Wine and Food for having us here for the fifth year in a row. And I am incredibly excited to sit down with Reem Asil this afternoon. Um, thank you so much, Reem, for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you made the trip out here from California. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about Reem. So you guys have two locations, <laughs> right? Soon to be. I'm actually quite crazily, as you're talking about uh, work-life balance, yeah. uh, is that we're in the midst of opening the second location, Got literally it. as we speak. Uh, we had our soft opening in San Francisco last week. and Well, congratulations. Yes, thank you. We're uh, hoping to be open by the end of this week. Crazy so. that you made it out here for this. <laughs> it's a nice little break, actually. It's Is a it? blessing in disguise. <laughs> yeah. um, and you have a two-year-old son. Yes, I do. So that's a lot. Yes, yes. Uh, but I'm very fortunate because I have an amazing partner who enjoys full-time parenting good yeah two, so two years is a rough two years is a rough age oh it's yeah. like the best We're and the worst all at once it. i know it's it's amazing but you know i think having a business sort of prepares you for it i agree like, i feel like reams was a fickle baby for the first two years <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the sort of genesis of reams yeah. how did it start yeah so reams was kind of born in 2010, at least in my in my dreams and yep. my head, <laughs> after going to uh, going on a visit to the homeland, uh, and I really discovered these amazing street corner bakeries in Lebanon, um, and just fell in love with Arab hospitality. I think sort of growing up as an Arab in the U.S., I only saw sort of negative images of myself mm. and. I knew that what wasn't true, but didn't know how to communicate that. And sure. I think, I mean, I, I, I will give my mom and my parents credit for really using food as a tool to communicate what our culture is really all about. So I had this sort of epiphany of like, I really want to bring this experience of the Arab Street Corner Bakery and really the warmth of bread and Arab hospitality and that feeling of community. And so I sort of did a 180 switch. I was uh, non, I worked in the nonprofit world for 10 years, sort of prior to that, and sort of quit my job, enrolled myself into a baking pastry program, and 
basically decided to become a baker all in the hopes of starting an Arab street corner bakery. Amazing. And uh, in 2014, I was really fortunate to be accepted into an incubator program called La Cocina sure. uh, in San Francisco district, which is an amazing program that really sort of helped me learn the ropes of what it was like to run a food business. Yeah. And, sort of built my way. We started at one farmer's market and really I wanted, I, I started my business really with this iconic Levantine flatbread called the Manusha and I was like, I'm going to mainstream that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Is that something you grew up with? It's something I grew up with but took for granted. I mean, we had Manish all the time. My mom um, would drive us to the Armenian Lebanese bakeries and I, I lived in a very small suburb outside of Boston and I didn't really quite understand why we were taking 25-minute drives to just eat these breads with za'atar <laughs> on them, but I kind of understood it as an adult. Like, ah, oh, I get it. It was like a piece of home. Right. Uh, but it was really until I went to the Middle East as an adult, realized how part and parcel it was to people's daily life. It's kind of like the pizza slice in New York or right. the burrito in California. Right. So I was like, oh, you know, folks need this. Like, my people need this. Uh, so I started you know, just became obsessed with recreating that. And uh, we started at, with, we started as a small farmer's market operation, really creating those flatbreads and quickly grew to five farmer's markets. And at a certain point, there wasn't really any space in the incubator kitchen. We had, I was sharing a space with like 10 other businesses. Sure, La Cuisina is doing yeah. a lot, working <laughs> with lots of other businesses. Yeah, exactly. So they helped me find a brick and mortar space and we found this like, literally a corner right below a BART transit line uh, in the Fruitvale district of Oakland, which I really love because it's like, it's just like all walks of life. When I imagine what I wanted my bakery to look like and feel like that was kind of that neighborhood right. felt right. And so we opened that in 2017 and, you know, grew shortly, slowly but surely and uh, needed more space. Our catering program kind of took off and had this chance to take over the spot that we used to pop up out of when we were at La Cocina, oh, literally wow. like right around the block from the commercial kitchen space. And um, and so that's in San Francisco. Yeah, in San Francisco. Yeah. And it just felt very serendipitous. You know, I think San Francisco is really expensive. I didn't know if I was ever going to have uh, an outpost over there. Right. But we had a wonderful following that really helped us build our brand for the first two years of our existence. So we feel very fortunate to be able to kind of go back to where it all started. So soon you'll have two retail spaces, yeah. a catering business. Yes. Um, do you do wholesale as well? We are starting to dabble in it. I mean, from the beginning, it's like Whole Foods, all those folks kind of reached out to us because apparently there's no good pita on the market. Huh. <laughs> Even with a place like Whole Foods, you have like 20,000 dips. Right. And, like nothing and nothing to dip, to dip in. in. <laughs> So I feel like um, in New York, we're, I mean, in New York, yeah. we're lucky. In New York, we have like Damascus Bakery. Yeah, and, yeah, like, we exactly. have some we have pretty a little good, bit of those yeah. wholesale bakeries. We have some, but not at the quality that you would think. Right. Um, so may, once we get sort of things stabilized, uh, right now our catering and our sort of brick and mortars are where our focus is, but yep. we're definitely sort of exploring what it, what it feels like to do wholesale. Maybe not just our bread, but um, we're like we're, we're, we partner with an um, awesome uh, local grocery store called Berkeley Bowl, and they sure. source our falafel. Nice. And, you know, so doing those sort of strategic partnerships where the brand feels aligned and, you know, people get to learn about Reams through yeah. 
the the product. Um, I mean, Berkeley you know, Berkeley Bowl is amazing. Yeah, I mean, they I, represent like, us well. Yeah. You know, so it's not just anybody. You right. know, so, um, but yeah, we're super excited for what's to come for the next five years of Reams. That's awesome. And yeah. so, I mean, what what is five years? look like uh how funny i mean um, your your son will be seven he'll be seven he'll be enough, he'll be old enough to work you know, in the bakery dishes <laughs> he, he already he knows how to flip a pancake i bet it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing what children do and when they follow you yeah. the only problem is he thinks every kitchen is his kitchen so anytime <laughs> we're in a restaurant he just like makes his way to the back of the kitchen it's like oh um yeah, my, my team and I just sort of did a 10-year visioning process and sort of working back from 10 years, uh, we, we sort of like to go macro and then sort of work backwards. Sure. But So tell me, you know, what, my I mean, hope, so what is 10 years? Yeah, 10 years guys, is really what, what we, we hope um, is really to have a place where we have hundreds of employees working, that it's a good, across the board, it's a good place to work, Yep. Um, that we're... The folks who started with us around this time are in sort of leadership positions. Yep. We've already sort of done that. The folks who started and helped me build dreams from the grounds up, ground up are still with me. Great. You know, like my first person who ever like did cashier at my farmer's market is now my director of operations. Amazing. So we did this like visioning of like, what would that feel like? What would that look like? Really, we want to create pathways for people. Yeah. We want You're this to feel like a career. Exactly. Yeah. We want it to be a flourishing ecosystem. But even if people go and do their own things, that they're part of the sort of Reams hub. Yep. Um, you know, we want it to be worker owned to some extent. Like we really believe that. Uh, even though, ironically, the the business is named after <laughs> me. Um, it's so you know, it it's evolved so much since I started it, and that's really because of all of the people that have had input in it and shaped it. Um, and I feel like that's really an important part of the evolution of a business is to move your people along with you sure. and to build your leadership. So we did a lot of that visioning, but you know, we hope to have a few little, we call our little bread umpire, but um, a few brick and mortars and um, a robust catering operation where we're, you know, we're already starting to be a part of people's special events, whether it's their weddings or, um, you know, big, Business, you know, corporate events, but, um, you know, really growing that part of our business because we feel like Arab hospitality is something everybody should have. So, sure. Yeah, sure. yeah. Tell me a little bit about what does it look like when someone walks into Reams? Like, what are the what are the available options on any given yeah, day? Yeah. So Reams is just a really vibrant space. I feel like when people ask me what what is how would you describe your food? I'm like, it's Arab it's like second generation immigrant. It's yeah. Oakland. It's right. California. Like there's so much familiarity in it, whether or not you know Arab food or right. not. Um, Do you think that there are things that you're doing that are not necessarily super traditionally Arab, but are incorporating some yeah, of that California yeah, thing? I'll, I I never claim one thing or the other because I'm always surprised by how innovative. Like even if you go back to the Arab world, people are evolving right, right. Um, so I, I would say um, the food is very much a culmination of all my cumulative experiences so when you walk in you know you're, the menu is going to be very accessible you know on our when someone walks in it, it describes what a manusha is we say that we'll still love you and feed you even if you can't pronounce it <laughs> you know our menu is mixed with things that are Arabic words 
um, and and some educational component to yep. it. But then also just like, you know, our our bestseller is called the Pali Cali. You know, it's a mix of Palestine and California. Sure. Um, you know, Musachan is that's the dish. It's like sort of modeled after which is like the iconic Palestinian dish with sumac braised chicken. Yep. You might not be able to pronounce that. So we've sort of made it accessible. So it's a little bit of mix where people sort of feel familiar and at ease. Um, our staff is really diverse. We've done a really good job. And I think it's just organically. Like, I don't think we've done anything. I mean, we're intentional. Obviously, we prioritize people with the most barriers to employment. But I think just by nature of who we are and sort of what we represent um, in terms of like social justice being at the core value um, of the business that we tend to attract people from the neighborhood. Yeah. So it's very much a reflection of neighborhood and the space we're in. Um, San Francisco is the same way. Like everybody we've hired is from like uh, one mile radius wow. of, of the bakery. So um Let's talk a little exciting. bit about, yeah. about that. I mean, about the social justice aspect. I mean, oh. so it's incredibly hard to start a business by yourself, yeah. start a small business to bootstrap it, to get these things off the ground, but then to add a layer on top of that and say that you are only going to, or you're going to prioritize people who have a difficult time finding employment. Yeah. That's like, you're adding more work for yourself totally. in totally. creating this community. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I wish people would invest in that more. I mean, I think I don't have the advantage that maybe some other folks do in that we didn't have a lot of capital invested right. in Reams up front. Um, I feel like there's so much more I can do. I feel like I'm never doing enough, but we do invest a lot in the short, ter in the short term um, in terms of how we hire. We take our time hiring folks. Like, we do really prioritize people with the most barriers, but we throw them through the gauntlet before they can actually. Sure. We don't just like hire out of desperation. Yep. We really make sure our values are aligned. We really fo we look at people and their potential for leadership more than their skill set mm. um, because you can teach that, but you can't teach people integrity. You can't right. teach people sort of the the value of team being a team player and showing up on time things. and like all those yeah, things. like yeah. leadership you know and and even people who've been knocked down in their life if there's we they show these like sort of leadership qualities when you let them shine because probably in their life they haven't been given that chance right yeah. but that takes more time and it takes uh more resources you know we pay for staff meetings we pay for trainings we do all of these things and uh, it, it definitely does, it makes us a little less profitable in the short run, but in the long run, it's helped us because we have a much longer retention rate than sort of my perception of my um, peers in the industry. I know that that is a really hard thing. I mean, we, we struggle with it because the systems around us that we can't control, like expensive housing yeah. and transportation, like there are definitely things that make it harder for our employees, but for the most part, we've been able to keep the really good ones uh, because we've like sort of invested the time. There's sort of that invaluable thing that, I mean, we also pay a little bit more competitively and I right. think that that helps. Of course. But people, you know, people work for a variety of reasons. I think wage is not just the only reason. There's like all this sort of invisibilized value of like being invested in professionally that uh, I think people in the food industry, because you're always in the weeds, Right. Don't take enough time to do. Um, for better or for worse, we try to take that time. You know, my staff, uh, I think, appreciates it. Uh, 
but it's definitely a little bit of a process. Yeah. Have you found that people who maybe don't come from an Arab background who work with you have then taken up eating and sort of consuming and sharing the breads and Arab hospitality in yes. their own community? Oh my God, I love it. I love, I mean, I think that's the coolest thing about Reams actually is that it's, you know, we have, we have some Arab employees, but the, quite the majority are non-Arab and they just like are the best ambassadors. Like we do Arab hospitality and the trainings and things like that. But like the thing is, Hospitality is transcendent. Everybody, cult every culture has sort of a some version of it, and so we really try to speak to people's cultures and how, like, how do they find that personal connection to it? And there's nothing better than sort of my non-Arab <laughs> um, employees, sort of, and even like the Arab customers who come in are like so impressed, you know, being able to talk about the food and be proud of it and eat it and. Um, I think one thing that I've really sort of tried to do is be flexible. I mean, you know, I'm not old school myself. Obviously, right. my food is not super, super traditional. But there are things that even I have sort of old school. But I try to, like, be flexible because my employees are also thinking about sort of the intersections of this food and the flavors and the ingredients sure. with their own culture. Right. And then like making their own dishes and like, oh, that's really cool. Let's let's put that on the menu. Right. And so we've done a little bit of that. And I, I feel like that's how the menu has really evolved is like having the input of people. Yeah. Um, are there any ingredients that you grew up with or that are like very traditional Arab that you have a hard time getting? That I have a hard time getting. Let's see. I mean, getting a good za'atar, actually, you'd be surprised, is really hard. I mm. think um, a lot of the za'atar that's imported uh, from the Middle East is, you know, it's, they, because it's, like, created for mass production, yeah. they're, like, bulking it up with stuff. So, but then on the other hand, if you get the local stuff, it's, like, really expensive. So I've had a hard time. Like, my mom never really made her own za'atar, but... We had access to a lot more in the East Coast than we do in California. Uh. So I've had my sort of dream of like creating my own za'atar farm where we can scale that up a little bit. Uh, I mean, what, what do you need for that? You need sumac, you need sumac, sesame. Sesame, and then the za'atar plant. So za'atar is the is spice mix plant? and oh, the plant. Oh, interesting. I know, I Arabs that. are very confusing. We call the same <laughs> thing for different things. But it's basically a hyssop, oregano plant. Um, and it, it grows probably really well here. The climate or in California, yeah. the climate is very similar um, to back home. So um, in terms of ingredients, I'm sure there. I'm just trying to think of like I've been able to recreate stuff that um, a good ghee, yeah. like clarified butter. It's, it's hard to find. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would say Zata is finding that good quality. We get ours from Jordan. Got it. Um, and it's pretty good, but I always looking for better. Yeah. Um, as far as like inspiration, do you travel back to the East Coast and those Arab communities that you were a part of when you were young? Do you go to the Middle East? I have not been back to the Arab world since 2010. Okay. And it's I've been wanting to go back ever since my business took off. It, I haven't been afforded the time. Sure. But I'm long overdue for a trip back there because things evolve. You know, well, I only watch son, them from affair, afar and I'm yeah. like always just like I'm longing to go there. You know, um, I was really fortunate. I was in the um, cookbook. Uh, La Cucina did this compilation of all of our recipes 
and they did this book tour where we got to go to different places and I was able to accompany them to Detroit. And that's like the promised land for Arabs. Right. Because there's Dearborn is right there. Yeah. It feels like the homeland. And I'm oh, like, great. oh, I've been robbed. Like, how come <laughs> I didn't have this? But um, that was really an amazing experience to go and, you know, see how things have evolved and how things have not evolved, you know. And, and I'm just like curiosity around that. Uh, but just to be in a space where people are speaking your language, it's like something I longed for because... We had to really travel when I lived in the East Coast because we lived in a very small suburb where we were the only Arab family. Um, and so uh, to be able to see people so so concentrated in an area was really, really cool. Um, I love, I mean, I'm very fascinated about other parts of the U.S. where that happens, in the yeah. Midwest especially. Right. I feel like there's a lot of enclaves. Um, definitely New York, yeah. obviously. Um, but, but yeah, I... I sort of tried to create, I mean, that was the reason I started Reams in California because I'm like, where are all the, uh, where are all the like Arab spots at? They're yeah. all kind of hidden, you know, they're off the beaten path. Yeah. So I wanted to create it a little bit more centrally, um, but I basically trying to create home out of something that wasn't there. And I think there's something cool about that too pioneering that so to speak absolutely well thank you so much as yeah. we wrap up um where can people find out more online about you what's your instagram yeah handle? so um if you want to learn about reams california you can always visit our website at www.reamscalifornia.com um or you can follow us on instagram at um at reams california um you can also follow sort of what i'm doing at ream.aseal awesome yeah, thank you thank so you much so. for sitting down Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network on tour. I'm Harry Rosenblum from Feast Your Ears. Thanks again to Ben's friends for making today's coverage possible. Stay tuned for more from Charleston Wine and Food. This program is powered by Simplecast.